変身I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, that's the <laughs> sound, at least the original Ultraman makes when he kind of like rises up, yeah. like transforms. Hello, you listening to Come Ride With Me? Uh, this is episode. Ooh, shit. <laughs> that's a uh, good question. I think 76, 77. This is episode 79. Oh, Christ. I'm going to have to change my recording label. Okay. Oh, that's good. But no. You are listening to Captain Ravi's episode 79. Uh, this is our look at Ultraman. We are looking at the franchise in general with some look at the uh, starts of Ultraman, Tiga, and Cosmos. The first four episodes of each series, it is me, your host, Kip, and with me is my co-host, Steph. Hey, Steph. Hey. And yeah, it has been a minute, Steph. It's good to have you back on. And it's good to be back on and i have to apologize in advance um just in case anybody is wondering this has nothing to do with uh kip or the show but i unintentionally double booked myself tonight i have had a couple of drinks because i was also playing D before this so if i get any um facts or timelines wrong 100 my fault i watched this a couple of weeks ago and i'm relying on my notes, which aren't always that accurate because I write in my very own form of shorthand. So if you have to at me and go ahead, just don't at the show. Just come directly for me. I deserve it. No, it's all right. Uh, we're um, pretty loose over here. But uh, yeah, this has been a little bit of like an episode in the making. This is actually supposed to be um, our Mystic Nights episode before that. So this was supposed to be... Uh, when was this? This was supposed to be episode 71, so eight weeks ago. Yeah, we've we've done a bit of a timeline jumping of our own here. Like I said, like last episode, thank you everyone, including our fans in Germany, where like recently we entered the charts there for the first time. That was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, just it was a lot of stuff going on, but like it was all things that were uh, more important than trying to, to also like <laughs> record episodes. So like... I'll, also, thank you to like our like great guests, but it's been about six weeks since um, we've done like, an episode, and the last time was with our guests from Rangers Plane, who um, are great, but also can kind of do a show themselves. Like they have a lot to say, uh-huh. <laughs> and lots of fun to have on. I, I will also say, um, I, I actually have two different points to that, and I usually don't interrupt Kip to the sponge, but once again, have been drinking because of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, First off, so super excited that we got on the charts in Germany. I was actually born in Germany because I was an army brat. But aside from that, our guests from Ranger Splane, both at different times, have reached out to me to kind of let me know about different um, things on Twitter, different uh, types of shady people I should be aware of, just, you know, as as buddies would do. And I think that's very cool because... We literally spoke to each other for the first time on uh, this show, so I really appreciate having that kind of kinship with people. No, like they're like both like 
really great. And like, um, they're one of um, a I like to have a certain kind of um, podcast friend. And that is um, the kind of people that I'm um, like sitting and actually are. So has been a bit. So look, I have to ask um, what's been going on like lately? Like, um, any fun movies, any fun events, any noteworthy things? I'm actually excited for this question for the first time in forever because I feel like this is the first time in a while I've actually had something new to tell you when you ask me. Um, so because it's been so long since we've spoken, I actually have a um, Netflix series to recommend and a video game. So two for the price Ooh. of one. Um, I uh, very recently binged WandaVision over a weekend with my wife. Um And I 100% highly recommend that for anyone, even if you're not a general fan of the Marvel Universe. Um, The way that they produced that series and um, Elizabeth Olsen's acting are both amazing. Um, I felt like I was hooked from the first episode to the last. And um, she's just a really dynamic character player. She... um, at several different occasions made me laugh, cry and be infuriated, which I appreciate for any actor. Um, she has a lot of different things to make happen in that show character wise. Like it's like pretty complicated, just like not just the writing, but like the weird lore and the place in like the multiverse situation they have going on. And everything. Uh, yeah. 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 And it wasn't only that, but for me, I, I think that anybody who probably has heard me on this podcast before has learned i'm a very very big fan of like nostalgia so the fact that so much of that show was like focused on going through different tv eras all of which i recognized i thought was just a very very cool way to um deliver her story in such a way that was just something i never expected to see because even if you're a fan of the Marvel universe, like I am like some things start to kind of become repetitive in the way that they play out the characters backgrounds and the way that they play out their motivations. But this to me was something that was very neat. And, you know, I, I hope that it's something that um, more writers kind of take cues from because it's okay to time jump the way that they did it and so as long as you can make it cohesive like it's a very neat way to present information no like they definitely need to do more weird things with that universe like and um that's probably where it would maintain itself and keep going like longer term you know yeah absolutely and i feel like even with that like they kind of came to a, a point by the end of the first season where i don't know how much more they could have done in that vein but there was still a lot of wiggle room to kind of play around in that world. So I'm excited to see what season two comes up with. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the Winter Soldier like I haven't either. Falcon show. I've heard bad things mostly about it, just like from like the way it uh, engages with like world politics. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. One thing that I, I, get into a, a perpetual debate with one of my friends about is um, as much as I like so many of the movies in, in that um, entire universe, I don't really like a whole lot to do with Captain America. And, and I get that there were some where he was a little bit um, less of a do-gooder and it kind of painted him in a more morally gray light. I don't feel like there's a way to make his character morally great enough for me. <laughs> like I like, 
characters to have a sort of um, dynamic aspect. And I just, his character was quite literally made to be the lawful good guy. And I don't know, I just, I I can't get behind it. It it just, it feels too boring to me. (laughs) Like, um, so I read the character very differently than that, actually. Um, So I kind of, um, when you look at, the New York city of the 1920s and like the 1930s and like when he was like growing up mm-hmm. and like world war two. And like, he's like a new deal, like FDR, like in a multi racial, multicultural, like city, like dude who comes to the future. It's kind of like, um, in idiocracy, like, uh, that old movie, but like, it's like you come to the future and see that things have taken the backslide. Like, all these like um real like like we have like slid back as far as like certain ways that we like look at people and certain ways that we like look at like our freedoms like it's like um just there's so many ways that our relationship to government and to service and to uh what we do like globally has changed to become crueler and more about denial of human decency mm-hmm. that's where i really like the character where it's like oh He's basically like goes 80 years into the future to find out that like the progressive dream died for fascism globally. Oh, well, see, now you just made it sound interesting. I might have to watch it now, which is going to piss my friend Alice off because she's been trying to tell me the same thing forever. And I thought that she was just pulling my leg to make me watch something horrible. But yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. The comic characters from this time were like fighting for unions and like punching Hitler Back when Hitler was still like a popular like guy like around here, you know? Right, right. I have heard bad things about how they do the show without him or like how they do that. But, uh, you know, you um, know, I, as much crap as I talk about it, I know I'll end up giving it a chance because however inadvertently it happened, I did end up becoming a Marvel fangirl. So, unfortunately, it means that I have to consume every form of media they put out, even if it takes me forever to do it. So I'm sure I'll end up watching it. I'm not sure how much the movies get that across about Captain America. Like, I think there's some intention at some points and like from Steve, Chris, Chris Evans, like that's mm-hmm. and the intention. But like that might not be super important in the movies like compared to like how it's clear some of the books though. So Right. And I get that because I feel like there's a lot of things within that whole um, story universe that you can't quite fill in unless you've like seen things that have nothing to do with whatever you're watching at the time, which as a fan, I love as someone who maybe wanted to watch something standalone. I would hate knowing that I was missing half of the story. Mm-hmm. so i completely get that and also just like something that really messes me up on a lot of movies is that if they're dealing with any kind of like military they just end up having to work with the department of defense and like mm-hmm. have their scripts like approved like so they're correct not accurate but correct right so like that does make it hard to like do something honest about like the state of the world or like stuff if you have to have like the military that Let's face it, like, uh, we don't have, like, a good faith kind of, like, military, like, apparatus in, like, a way where they would say, oh, um, yeah, it's fine if you, like, talk about why people don't like us in the Middle East, mm-hmm. you know? 
Right. Yeah. And I always have a kind of duality on that anyway, because I was not only raised an army brat, but on top of that, in my younger years, I did work for the Department of Defense for several years until I got to the point where just the amount of travel involved was taking me away from my daughter to an extent that I just couldn't handle anymore. And, you know, having to get a security clearance and having to go through all the checks and tests and everything that they needed to qualify me for that job. There's always still that small part of my brain that gets it like, okay, see, so I understand why you can't really share those secrets, but like the larger part of me that is very much this raging lesbian liberal, I'm like, you know what? Fucking fuck all the institutions. We need to burn them all to the ground. It's time. You know, I, it's it. There's always that kind of chaotic part of my brain. So, yeah, I get it. And that might actually be part of why watching these movies is so much fun for me, because it kind of gives me that mental exercise. I don't get any other way. Yeah, no. Um, And one interesting thing about um the Marvel movies, like at like a certain point, is they do actually have to make a um major world defining choice when they do the whole like half of humanity missing for like Mm -hmm. five years thing and like it's pretty idyllic that it seems like when they come back and when they're gone people are doing all right so that means that maybe like uh healthcare got figured out i don't know something like that like yeah and i think we should that's another a reason why to me it's kind of like that fun thought exercise because you have that version of it but then if you like watch any um kind of other media or listen podcasts especially because i'm a big podcast junkie but if you listen to anything that talks about anything like even remotely dystopian it always talks about how the world would almost instantaneously fall to chaos and people would turn on each other and start like robbing each other and this that and the other so to me it's it, it always falls into like that kind of fun I don't know, fun is subjective, I guess, but that thought debate, like, well, how exactly bad are people or how exactly good are people? How willing are they to work with each other? And, you know, or how willing are they to fucking put a knife to your throat because you've got a case of bottled water? Like, circumstances like that are, are I, I don't know, they're weirdly fun to me to think about. <laughs> it's the kind of thing, though, where, like, it's also in the best interests of people who like have like the reins of power to make you think the worst of that. Yeah. And to say that if, if not for what I'm doing, which is nothing, it is to rule. It's making you work for me. Yes. It's making you make me more money. Um, one franchise that like is actually very engaged with this question and in an interesting and like not overly fascist way is the purge movies. I fucking my wife and I love those movies. That is one of the few things that we can agree on as far as entertainment because we do not agree on a lot. But those are something that every time a new one comes out, like we are front row center in the theater because we just love the. I have pictures of us dressed up as Purge characters for Halloween. But like in that um, Purge prequel movie, there's this moment where like. Um, Marissa Tomei is like a doctor who's like, I thought people would murder each other, but they're not. They're just having like a cookout. Mm -hmm. And then they like send all like the Nazis in to like shoot people in like churches and stuff to like make enough crime to justify the purge. Right. Like unemployment stays down. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, how um, poetic is that? That like, that's something you continuously hear about now. I recently, um, because of something I saw on Instagram of all places, ended up researching deputy gangs in Los Angeles, which if you haven't done that, please do. But that is a 100% like it entire, it's like a study from, I don't know, back to the fifties where collectives of deputies would start riots within civil protests to give their fellow officers the excuse to arrest people. So you have to wonder like how much of that like scourge on humanity thing that people are so quick to point to hasn't been facilitated by other people in power. Like um, last summer when there were like random bricks like showing up next to like glass buildings that has like <laughs> been paid for by like the police and stuff and all this like yeah, weird like, like let's try and make people do the, stuff. The brick would be lit next to like two pieces of broken glass, but the glass was very clearly broken from like the inside. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I'm talking like um at like various like Black Lives Matter protests. Oh, um okay. they were leaving like pallets of bricks where people were coming and Jesus. then people were like filming like hey here's this untouched pallet of like bricks we just beat the crap out of this like random white dude wearing like an armband that tried to like come near them but like they were left where we were going so that like we looked like we were like hurting a poor target a part of that wants for me to point to the fact that you and i just saw two different perspectives but the other part of me wants to point to the fact that you and i saw two very different but very similar conspiracies in action well like if you talk about like the history of like the cia for example you sound like the wildest just outside of reason irrational person just reciting facts you know right like, that's just yes it you sound like the kind of people I make fun of on a regular basis. I get it. <laughs> 100%. But then I start reading some shit and I'm like, okay, well, now I understand why they sound crazy because now I do too. Yeah, because like it's very effective in media to have people like, yeah, that's why like the CIA were like propping up dictators. It's like, oh, yes, they were. <laughs> Never mind. Keep going. Not to get too political, I'm, which I say definitely with tongue in cheek because I tend to do that every single episode I'm on. I'm surprised that Kip hasn't fired me yet. The fact is, our last president proved that if no one did. I mean, 100%. He was so fucking ineffective. He caused so much detriment. And there are still people on this planet who think that he is going to be president again in like two weeks. I mean... Uh, my perspective is simple on that whole situation. Donald Trump was loud, but not worse. Like compared to like other people that we've had in our lifetimes. Yeah, I can see that. I honestly will. I think it's it's extremely easy to villainize him because he was so in your face about how horrible he was. But I'm not even going to say, but I'm going to say, and also because I'm in an age now where things like that matter a lot more to me, where, you know, presentation and trying to um, be a better person are more important to me than they ever have been. But I mean, I disliked the Bushes just as much. I just wasn't old enough to quite understand why at the time. It just so happened that Trump came along at a time where I was becoming more informed and trying to be more involved in politics. So he unfortunately caught more of the brunt of my hate than a lot of people who did worse things than him. 
you know, happened in my lifetime. That's part of it, too. Like, um, it's good for institutions when there are these massive, like, oh, he's doing all the things, but not politely or civilly. Like, they might not have expected him, but also it let them, like, whitewash, like, like, oh, here's, like, George Bush eating a Werther's or whatever. Isn't he, like, wasn't he, like, a great president? I was like, no. Yeah, that was going to be my next point, because I distinctly remember seeing a um, tweet making fun of people for that. And it was somebody saying, because it was a picture of um, Junior handing the piece of candy to Michelle Obama in he was literally saying, you guys are one fucking piece of candy from forgetting how many war crimes he committed. And that was like a wake up moment for me. I was like, you're right. Like I, because of how much I had hated on Donald at that point, I had forgotten how much I hated Bush and was, you know, saying shit like, Oh God, to go back to the days when I thought Bush was this bad. And then I fucking remembered, Oh yeah, nine 11. Like, <laughs> that's how easy it is for the media to fuck with your memory though but also um i'll say right now uh fuck obama fuck biden like they're not uh, yeah, much better 100 percent. yeah <laughs> like there's some ways but it's like 15 percent good 85 versus like five percent like it's it's a thing but like the lesser of two evils isn't like a good <laughs> Yeah, and I've said it before, and I I will continue saying it. I am tired of having to choose the lesser of the two evils in elections. I really am. I would love it if somebody came up and was someone I genuinely fucking wanted to be president. From the beginning of this race, even before it was just down to Donald and Biden, Biden was the one I wanted the least, but still voted for him over Trump. Now I have questions. I mean, But it's also for the exact same reasons that I didn't like him when he was one of the candidates. So I shouldn't be surprised. Like, it's literally one of those situations where I'm like, oh, God, I'm missing a toe. Oh, yeah, I shot it off. Like. Yeah, no, it's a whole. It's very hard in our current political system to enact any change. And like, for example, a lot of the people that I would say are positive change focused individuals are definitely dampened and to an extent like um corrupted by what little they can do in this machine it's just a whole process but it's also like a process of like knowing that things aren't broken they're working as intended and we need to make new things we need to intend different things and we need to point out things when they are like that but with that, um, let's talk about the other stuff in our lives, <laughs> media-wise. You also said that you played something uh, I, recently as well. Un- I, I don't want to say, unfortunately. It's it's for better or worse. I got sucked into the new craze, which is a video game, Valheim. I don't know if you've heard of that one or not. That's like Valheim. It's like, is that Viking-ish or is that just survival? It's both. (laughs) And I usually don't like very much get into those type of games. First off, because I don't really do like what are considered battle royales, which I guess on some level that is. But on top of that, survival games, like they're just not my thing. 
But I found out that you can create your own server and go off in the world by yourself, which I did. And I have died so many times and have rage quit that game so many times because of my deaths that it's insane. But I keep coming back to it because it's also extremely addictive. It is for a game that looks like it was made in the 90s, an absolutely gorgeous game. It has some amazing music. It's very relaxing, you know, until you have things that are chasing you around trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I my brain doesn't work for these kind of games. Like, I just need games to be condensed in, in a way where I can be like, OK, this is a unit. <laughs> and like once the game is that big, if it's like um, any kind of like loot game or like MMO, that's where I'm like. No, like I like really fell hard off of like Destiny once I realized that like I couldn't enjoy it unless I put in a lot of time into it. And that's like what I've heard about this game from like Giant Bomb, like other like I I um do <laughs> listen to like a fair bit of like video game podcasts. This mm-hmm. got very popular like in the past like two or three months. Yeah. And and I totally understand that. And and I do have a very, very rotten case of ADHD. So it takes a lot for me to get very engaged with video games. There's a lot of video games that I can play for like five to 10 minutes at a time and be like, oh, this is fun. This one I keep coming back to. So I would recommend even if you can just like get a demo of it just for a few minutes. Um, Definitely just give it a shot. Uh, it, and I only say that because I 100% thought that it wasn't my type of game either. So I don't know. You might be surprised and you might not. You might just play it and be like, well, stuff was full of shit. Well, that like very early, like polygonal, like PS one, like aesthetic, like that might not be what you meant when you said like, it looks like, cause I've like heard people talk about this game. And I haven't seen it, but now that I'm looking, it's really not that it's like, just like a little older, like, late ps3 kind of graphic which yeah definitely it's not anything that's like it's not like pixel art or anything like that it's it's just not like um gta 5 or anything like that it's not anything that's gonna make you look at it and be like oh wow this is so true to life but it is very pretty and i don't think that i was ever really struck by the game until the first time that i was out wandering around trying to gather resources and like a thunderstorm started and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, like they had like the um, the clouds, all these pretty colors. And like they had like actual fog down in the lower parts of the train. Like it, it just was done in a really thoughtful way. No. Yeah. Um, that kind of, of destroys like my segue about like uh, there being like a return to like how 8-bit and like pixel art became very big, like. Now there's people like playing around in um they're calling it like fifth generation like graphics, but like PS1 style graphics. And there's a lot of really interesting games coming out like right now. It's like the kind of thing where it's like nostalgic and affordable and like has an effect. Like it's really interesting for like mystery and horror games, honestly. Like um last year there's or two years ago now. I'm not sure what time is, but like there was uh, that game <laughs> Time is um, mess. like it is that game all our asias that was like about like um the asian american like experience that's like free on steam that was like a very like misty ps1 style game um recently i've seen and keep meaning to play is uh called like fathom betula which i um linked actually um in our chat it's a um ps1 kind of like adventure game oh, that's like good. horror I'll have theme to check that out 
Yeah, it uh, looks like beautiful though, because like it's just very clear what it's going for and how it uses like that whole like aesthetic. I will have more to say later, like maybe uh, the next time we are. But I bought some <laughs> uh, fun merch, some fun common writer theme merch. Oh, nice! Yeah, because I'm always looking for stuff that's like normal, like not like I like feel bad for being like a nerd or a fan, but like there's a difference between like I have a shirt that has like a cool like color scheme and like i have a shirt that says like a logo you know right no i'm i have the same issue especially because um the one common writer series that i watched inadvertently because i was only supposed to watch a couple episodes of it um there isn't a lot of merch for it i've learned and even if i were to get the extremely extremely expensive belt um not only are they rare, but it's not something I could just like rock in everyday wear without having to answer some awkward questions. So I'd like it if I could just, you know, get a beanie or something, it's something kind of chill. Here's what I'm going to say, because everything that every piece of merch that has been made for this show has been legit, has not been using trademark stuff. Mm-hmm. However... <laughs> You can find that shit real easy on like Redbubble if you search like Cup Rider Kuga. Like you'll just find like even just like the white shirt with the symbol on it. Oh, nice. The thing that I got was a um 50th Common Rider like anniversary um like pop socket, which is like that's like the kind of stuff I want. Like something that like I can be like, oh, this is like nice, it's for me. Right. If someone cares, but also it's not like me with like a 2013 anime girl boob shirt you know right no i get that and i'll be honest and I, I have purchased off of red bubble one entire time and it was to get stuff from our show so i don't have a lot of experience i have the um common ride with me halloween um lap blanket which i still uh fight my girls for on a regular basis to be able to actually have myself and a hoodie which i also will not share with either of them which is just the show's logo um but aside from that it's i always feel like when i get on Redbubble, it's so easy to get lost in the muck like i will go down a rabbit hole and try to put all the cool things in my cart so i i always have to be careful getting on that site yeah, it's a lot. And like, there's probably it's like, I do want to like sometimes pay for things. Like, not always, but sometimes I'm like, this is bad. But <laughs> one person who's um really cool for that is um also a friend of the site, um, from the uh Take Me Back to the Virtual Reality Podcast of um, like Bozo Robo. Um they have a store on Etsy that does like a lot of the um like writer kicks like fascism like pins and stuff and they've oh, done like nice. and stuff like that. Oh, I um like finished my um year and a half long Monster of the Week campaign. That's good. That's nice. my nice. I DM'd it uh for since since the show started actually, so eighteen months. That's awesome. I actually got the um DM guide to do that with the girls and they were both not nearly as enthusiastic about it as I was. So I saw it sitting up there and one of these days I will do a monster of the week campaign. It just hasn't happened yet. It's a really fun game. Um, We started with four people, had five people, had three people, had four people, just all all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's another one that I got turned on to because of an actual play podcast. Um, 
and the way that they did it was just so creative. I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to get to that level, but let me just get the base rules down and maybe I can make something work from this. But, you know, I forgot the most important part and that's you need a willing audience. Yeah. And I will be so happy not to be DMing for a minute or just not like a long term thing like this. Right. We need to get somebody on here to DM a game for us. Yeah, there's lots of fun like things. Um, I would love to do like, that kind of thing. That's um, I finally also around the same time stopped working so much overtime. So I'm like, yeah, I should like do new things. I should have projects and fun things. And I have noticed that you know I've seen you around the chat a lot more, and that's always nice. So just you know to know that you have time to actually sleep. Yeah, that is good. I <laughs> like to sleep. Um, in our um like show talk, I put a picture of that actually that, i uh, love that sticker, sticker so much that's amazing yeah bozo robo uh like really great uh i like the people that do the very specific podcasts like um like take me back to my virtual reality and um rager's plane and stuff and uh they're definitely like um they're people i want to have on if time permits but like time is weird with time zones everyone as we know very well i know yes <laughs> no yeah um i'm vaccinated and i have finished a whole campaign story to the end whole epilogue uh only one plot thread that could come back at a one shot so i could go about that but i think that's kip's way of saying he needs you guys to come up with ways to keep him busy oh yeah if you want to send me uh, <laughs> send ideas. him some riddles <laughs> What has um, two legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, and one leg in the air when it's kicking a monster? I'm going to say it's probably our, our segue. We are back. So part of our journey together, Steph, is that uh, much like James Baker, um, you came into the show not knowing like a ton about Toku and like it was meant to be like kind of like a fun, odd couple buddy cop mm-hmm. situation of like, hey, what's up? Here's this thing I like. And like you'd right. be like, how does this work? Well, that kind of thing. Like, I'm Jackie Chan, your Owen Wilson. Is that the... <laughs> that- that Owen feels Wilson? bad, actually. Yeah. Uh, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights. Oh, okay. I was about to say, is it because I'm from Texas? All right, all right, all right. No, that's Matthew McConaughey. God damn yes, it. I'm all dude. off. Ugh. Cut. For Owen Wilson, Restart. it's... Um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I know. As soon as you said it, like I got this vision in my head, and I was like, oh, no, that's not him at all. Yeah. I, I, I... Tracking now? Damn it. Man, Owen Wilson... Keeping it locked, though, was he's one of those dudes where I'm like, I don't know where he came from or what he's done lately, but I'm sure he's done fine. Like, just like he basically like played three characters for like 20 years, it feels like. And yeah, and that's probably why I got confused, because once again, another Texas boy that knows how to just do that laid back chill thing. So, yeah, that's why I get them all confused. I grew up with them. I'd like no 20 of them. This is why. Matthew McConaughey, Owen Wilson, uh, one has blonde hair, one doesn't. Texas. 
Texas. Damn. <laughs> everything is Texas shaped. It's fine. Yeah, everything. Uh, but no, um, speaking of Owen, it sounds like Ultra. My bad. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> A little. Maybe? A little. No. Uh, no, it doesn't. We'll try to Ultra we'll, we'll Wilson. fit it in. It's fine. Mr. Wilson. <laughs> oh, God. Now we've both gone off the rails. Somebody has to be the responsible one in this relationship. You know what? Sometimes when you go off the rails, your train turns into a plane and it gets destroyed. And then you become Ultraman. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. Historically. That's, what, no, uh, that's my experience anyway. <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun to go through um, the classics. Like, um, here's Aristotle. Um, I said that so bad. Here's Aristotle. Here's Plato. There here's you go. Homer. You got it. Here's this. Here's that. Oh, like, look no. at all these dudes oh, that we don't call. Homer. My bad. God damn it. But no. Um, <laughs> That's the aristocrats. <laughs> but uh that's a whole you know about that, right? Yeah, and god, we need some bonus episodes together, I feel like because there's that's a whole nother rant right there. But so part of this like classics is going through series and um what I one of the biggest ones is Ultra Band and the Ultra series. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're starting on today. So um I guess just kind of um, before we started, did you know about like Ultraman, Ultra Series, that kind of thing? I will say that I, I didn't I, I'm not going to pretend like I had any like base level knowledge of it. I know that on several different occasions I had like heard references to it from people around me or like maybe some pop culture stuff. I feel like it, you know, once you've been listening to a lot of chatter at a certain part in your life it all kind of comes together so i know i've definitely heard of ultraman um and correct me if i'm wrong is there or is there not like ultraman video game slash games yes there's definitely like the same way that like some weird anime or like dragon ball z stuff like there's definitely probably like ultraman might have been in some video games even though people never Gotcha. So Got I'm certain shows. I'm I'm gonna probably say with a lot more confidence that if um my memory serves, that's definitely where I heard of Ultraman because that kind of tends to be my media genre is video games. So yeah, it, 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 that I feel like that's probably my familiar aspect with it. Like um, you definitely get like um that background of a cartoon or like that like comic shop like effect where it's like um you'll see like in the background of the scene, like a character dressed like Ultraman or that looks like a, like common writer kind of thing. And like, that's like kind of where Ultraman sits. I think for a lot of people like, Oh, like unless you like grew up in like Hawaii, basically like if you're like, you're like in the States, like chances are like, you know, Ultraman from like, Oh, I was like at this comic shop and it had like Mm -hmm. this cool man bat. Who's man bat. Oh, who's Ultraman. Right. What's Robocop. Right. And I feel like that's probably um, part of the reason why I watched it. Why? Jesus, my English is failing me tonight. Um, While I was watching it, I kind of felt like um, a familiarity toward the character, even if it was something like I I haven't seen these shows, obviously, before you and I spoke. And, you know, that's kind of the point of our podcast right now. Um, But. On the other hand, there was also kind of like this um, 
face recognition. Like, this is someone that I know, even if I don't know why I know. Yeah, because like it's such a simple concept and design, I think, of just like um, here's this like silver and orange, silver and red person who gets big. That's just very easy to like get in like your like pop culture, like bloodstream, basically. Right. Um, And like there has been a lot of like weird Ultraman like references, like early South Park had an episode where Barbara Streisand became like a Mecha Godzilla. Yes, and I remember like that. one of the people like it was like Sydney Poignier tur- turned into Gamera and somebody else turned into like Ultraman and fodder. And then like the lead singer from The Cure like showed up as Mothra and finally like took her out. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like that's a thing like and obviously this isn't a South Park show, so I'm just going to give like a quick couple second thing here. That's the thing about South Park is that it has just enough like modern content to draw people in. But also if you're someone who has like a deeper pop culture knowledge, there's enough there to kind of engage you in that way. Um, And I feel like that's exactly what shows like Ultraman are good for because they put you in that mind space of I don't know. Um, exactly why I have a frame of reference for this, but the more I watch it, the more I'm like, this kicks ass. Like, it, I, I feel like stuff like that is what is perfect for, like, having any kind of pop culture understanding. Yeah, totally. Um, so Ultraman comes out five years before Kamen Rider, so it's, like, a little earlier. Um, it starts a year before that with Ultra Q, which is one of the few non-Ultra Man, Ultra Person entries in the series. Ultra Q is cool as shit. Um, <laughs> I have a copy of the series in 4K that I keep meaning to like bust out, but like I never do, I guess. But <laughs> um, so Ultra Q is like a Japanese early '60s Twilight Zone show. Sweet. That's all like these kind of effects, like the black and white, like old school Godzilla effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I feel like what I just heard from that confession was that one of these evenings, I'm going to come over to your house and you're going to have a charcuterie board prepared and we're going to watch Ultraman Q. I, I feel like is what I got from that conversation. I might be completely off base. I, yeah, no, um, <laughs> that's totally there. Um, it's like a lot of like interesting stuff. Like, there were some kaijus, but it was also like Terror of the Sweet Honey, which is like an episode about like um weird honeybees, this kind of stuff. And it's like just very much like gift from space. <laughs> it's like, oh, like Tokyo Ice Age. The one eighth project, which has no like monsters. It's just what if suddenly like one eighth of people were one eighth the size? Right. So yeah, it's just like a lot of Weird I feel stuff like going on. What I like about Ultraman, and I can't say that honestly, I have disliked anything that you know you have recommended me that we were speaking about. I, you know, obviously I have things that I like more than others. The thing that I liked about Ultraman, with everything that we watched for this particular episode, especially, was the fact that all of it was so easily palatable. Like there was nothing about it that like you had to 
put too much thought into. And I'm not saying that to say that it wasn't like well-written or intelligent or anything like that. That's, that's not my point. My point is it's something that you can watch like while you, you know, maybe play a game on your phone or something like it isn't something you have to um, devote your entire attention to, which for someone like me with as extreme of ADHD as I have, that's nice. I mean, that's exactly what you want out of something that you're watching for sheer entertainment value. And um, it was nice because it fit into, but also felt like it was at the same time creating so many common um, tropes that you see in this type of series. And, you know, I think I've said before on the show that my favorite thing that you have introduced me to is this kind of like... um, space sheriff concept that a lot of these type of shows seem to fall into. Um, But I always also appreciate when they can do that theme in a way that feels like you're watching something fresh, even if it's the same things that a lot of shows are doing. So that's, I I felt like that's why I kind of fell in love with the Ultraman uh, genre series, whatever you want to call it. So like after Ultra Q, comes Ultraman it's kind of like you suddenly inject the superhero into like these kind of stories and like there's different Ultraman so it's not quite Doctor Who but it's kind of like I compare it to like a Japanese Doctor Who as far as like it's doing the weird sci-fi stuff right I can see that and like um early like Ultraman 2 is just like um so I don't want to butcher the name I always have trouble with this last name this company name but Ultraman is currently made by Subaraya Productions um, A.G. Subaraya created Godzilla, was one of the people responsible for creating Godzilla and the sole kind of main creator of Ultraman. Um, so, like, in the 60s, it was, like, raw as shit, because it was just, like, <laughs> we only have, like, enough money to cartoon, like, special effects, one beam attack at the very end, and then blow up this, like, mannequin, so we gotta just do wrestling, and we gotta do, like, gore and have, like, blood, like, squirt everywhere and that kind of stuff <laughs> but also it was like very weird scenarios too I, I I think that one of the reasons that I enjoyed this so much was because it was also right on the heels of me having watched um, King Kong versus Godzilla the newest remake mm-hmm. which I had done with my friends like kind of as like a lark over discord like we were just having a goofing off night one Friday night And we had a lot of fun, like, kind of throwing jabs at that movie because there are so many parts of it that are completely ridiculous. And then on the heels of that, I watched this. And I could see, like, so many of these um, references coming back up. You know, and especially knowing that Ultraman was the older of the two. Um, But to me, that just added an additional element of, like, fun to it. Because you're looking at something that was made you know, 30 years before this latest remake, and you're like, oh, so this is kind of just something that, you know, this type of media incorporates. And, I mean, you can, I guess, be upset about it if you want to, but to me, it's just like, how fucking fun is that? Like, you get to, you know, kind of see these scenarios continuously play out over different graphical mediums that are you know, more or less technologically advantaged, depending on which ones you're looking at. And 
but they always follow the same themes. And to me, that's, that's such a great thing to see. It's almost like watching fairy tales in a different format playing out over and over again. Yeah. And, um, like to that point, um, one, I saw a lot of people at the end of like Godzilla vs. Kong being like, Oh, I wish they would just like do a whole series about like this place and these characters and these scientists. I just like, guys, there's Ultraman. (laughs) (laughs) There's like 40 franchises, like 40, like not only Ultraman, but I, there's a lot of things that, you know, I I've watched, um, so that we could discuss them that didn't share maybe those exact same themes, but had very similar plots, storylines, like governmental interference. Like there's a lot of things like within this genre specifically that that's something that I always preach to people, you know, because of things that I've watched with you that, you know, if it's not something you know exists, like expand your world a little bit. There is so much great media out there, especially if you're someone who likes to kind of see these tropes um, advance in modern pop culture that you're just like, man, it's really cool to have a frame of reference for that. And that's definitely not something I would have had had I not come on this show. So, I mean, if it's not something you've watched yet, go for it, audience. I'm pushing you that direction. And one cool thing, though, is that in comparison to something like Godzilla vs. Kong, one thing I really love about a lot of Toku stuff and like with Ultraman, like the latest one we watched was from 2003. There's still ongoing wow. shows. Um like Cosmos was 2003, Tiga was like 1996, I think. Um, I'm not sure on Tiga exactly, but um, so like I was bringing you back to like a period of it, but like there's a show about to premiere for Ultraman, like in the next two or three months, probably. Um, like there's like a new movie coming out like pretty soon. It's going to be like a Shin Ultraman from the creator of like Neon Genesis Evangelion. But um, something that I think appeals to me about toku in general and like also like in other formats like when like there's practical effects or when there's like practical choreography is that there's limitations and you get interesting things with limitations and with something like godzilla versus kong it's like they can just make anything they have the budget to cg whatever they want right so they are doing what they want instead of finding solutions to physicality in the world which like is way more interesting you know right No, I'm with you. And I think that that's um, probably one of the reasons that it's so easy for me to get sucked into these shows. Um, I I kind of always, when I'm speaking about it in this format, refer to it as like nostalgia. Um, But that's only part of it. Like, to me, the other part of it is the fact that before you could rely on computers to do everything. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I I 100% am some who is dependent 100% on computers and my smartphone and all this, that, and the other. But I do get an immense joy out of seeing things that were created before that was a crutch you could rely on. And I love seeing like creative problem solving. And I feel like that's definitely something you get with these shows. And probably one of the reasons I definitely enjoyed the 96 version better because it had just a a touch more of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So like the history of Ultraman's a little weird, but like you have those like early shows that are like semi connected in the way that like a lot of these shows were in the seventies and eighties where it's like, 
sometimes they just bring back the old suits and they just fight like a dozen monsters and like beat the crap out of them. Um, but Ultraman went on like a weird hiatus, semi-active period, like in the eighties and nineties, where like um they did stuff like a co-production between like a like U.S. company or like an Australian like co-production. Um, but then like um like Ultraman Tiga was basically like their comrade Kuga. It was their revival in the modern era. Gotcha. Probably why I enjoyed it so much since Kuka was my my baby of the Common Rider series. So yeah. And um Ultraman Cosmos was kind of the end of that run that was a couple seasons that were are like very well liked. I picked these because like that tends to be like my sweet spot as far as like the effects that I like, but also more because I know they were important historically for like establishing what the show is. But like mm-hmm. this show's had a rough run. Like um there's stuff like in the 70s, this company in like Thailand like said they had like a note from the founder's son saying that they owned Ultraman outside of Japan and that oh, they had wow. to like get paid for anything they made like outside of Japan. So that's why for years you have like them not doing stuff outside of Japan and not releasing stuff. And like in 2019 or 2018, that got overturned finally and they like Subaraya has full control of like the the characters again, which is why you suddenly have Marvel doing a comic series, maybe doing more than one, or maybe doing like a little like like Disney Plus series or like stuff being on Crunchyroll. Who knows? Right. They're in a cool spot to like have an interesting international future. I think because like they kind of escape like the Power Rangers curse, and they have like a little bit of like cultural cachet just people like knowing like oh Ultraman like and like they Mm -hmm. don't like immediately like nothing to say bad about Power Rangers but like people are shitty and like I think Ultraman looks different enough that that, like it wouldn't have people like as the hump to climb for something like Kamen Rider or like um, like other shows that are human sized is like a little more because there's like the easier comparison oh it's like when I was a kid and I watched Power Rangers, like, yes, but also, like, that's not a bad thing. Right. But I, I get where you're coming from, too, because it, when you and I first started talking, and I think it was close to a year ago now, I think Power Rangers was quite literally the only frame of reference I had for mm-hmm. this type of media. And, you know, for um, people who aren't uh, Toku fans, just as a general rule, I think that's pretty common. But the unfortunate part of that and it wasn't something that i realized until you and i had known each other for a while is that if that is quite literally literally your only frame of reference you tend to think of it as kind of redundant and you don't realize how much there is in toku to offer until you venture yourself out and if you have kind of fallen comfortably into that power rangers niche you don't have a reason to so I, I, that's why at this point I'm very comfortable telling people, well, look, you might think that this genre is this one thing, but let me tell you this thing that my friend Kip turned me on to. And, you know, maybe it'll give you a different perspective. It may or it may not, but, you know, don't judge everything based on this one series that became extremely popular in our country. Like, step outside the frame and, you know, you'll see that there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Yeah, um, and also 
a lot of people stop maturing at maturity and they're like, oh, Amen. well, I can't like go back to things. Like, I can't like enjoy things. Like, fucking have a stuffed animal, watch cartoons. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, if it's fun and like, um, yes, like, I don't really vibe with the way that like Power Rangers usually does like storytelling or like it's like aesthetics. And like, yeah, even like, because most of it's cheesy as fuck. I mean, honestly let's throw it all down it's it's a cheesy show but i mean it has some things to offer but i once again did not realize how big the toku world was until you and i started speaking and now power rangers would probably be the last thing i watched because there have been so many cool things that you've put me onto that i would just be like oh i have to watch power rangers i think that when we look at both technology and childhood they're things that we're conditioned to outgrow and be like, I can see the wires. That's bad. Or like, I can see that that's somebody in a suit. That's bad. Or like, I can see that six year olds like this. That's bad. And like, it's just like this weird situation where like, we've kind of been taught because that's a good way to get us to like engage with new stuff and become fans or buy it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if you're taught by like action movies in the eighties, that like a Godzilla movie is like silly. That's because they want you to watch the action movies they're making, you know, like they want you to like care about the technology they spent money on. Like the fact that like a like film shot in a new way where like this thing pops more, that's not inherently better. It's just they want you like they want to introduce that argument so that you'll engage with this thing that like is there like cool let's try CGO it's Terminator two, like thing, you know? Right. And, but I also think that that's a cool part about getting to the age that I'm not even going to say we, because I, you know, I'm not going to unwillingly throw you into that category. Um, I'm going to say that's a cool thing about the age that I'm at now is that I don't have to fucking care anymore. Like the money that I make, I'm going to spend it on the entertainment that I want to spend it on. So if that means that, you know, I pay 20 bucks extra and I get to watch a toku show that was made 30 years ago, as long as I enjoy it to me, that's still a valid investment. So I think that the um, the thing about getting people into this fan base is going to be getting them past that hump of feeling like whatever they consume has to be cool enough to do it <laughs> instead of just making them feel good about consuming it. I definitely noticed that um, when people talk about like power and stuff, they're like, oh, it's so like kitty. And it's like, oh, copyrighters so fucking cool. There's blood. And some people die. It's like, yes, but, like you can also just like enjoy something without it having to be mature or like right. whatever. Like it's all kid shit. Star Wars, like DC, whatever. At a certain point, like the right. Joker is a clown. <laughs> like the, let's be the real. only anime that I watched from front to back was Sailor Moon. And I am still um, trying to get to the point where I have enough patience to sit down and rewatch that entire series because I enjoyed it so much when I was in junior high. I can't think of a reason I wouldn't now. Like, I know that there are going to be parts of it that are like way too cheesy and, you know, romantic or whatever for me. But there's also going to be a lot of the same shit that drew me in in the first place. So I don't know. You just you get to a certain age and you kind of get past that shit and you're just like, well. Nobody else is paying for me to watch Sailor Moon. I might as well pay for it myself. Just do your thing. Yeah. And um, 
towards the history of the show, their thing was rough for a while after that, actually, because they went from <laughs> this period of like weird, sporadic international stuff not working out to like a run of shows people liked and were like good. And like then the year after Ultraman Cosmos, they tried this like dark reboot of Ultraman that had like a movie and like a TV show. Oh, God, they tried to do the Chris Nolan thing. Here's the thing. It was good, <laughs> but um, it was like super mismanaged, like where like there's like just it didn't have the right placement for the audience or right like advertising. So it was like early morning, like angst, like it was trying to be more like something like you know, like common writer show that was like a bit more of like a drama about like, people's emotions and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, and like, I like Ultraman Nexus, the series after this, but um, it definitely messed with the franchise. And like, there were a couple more seasons after that, but then in like 2007, uh, 2007 to like 2013, there was no shows airing. It was like a dark period where it was basically like a couple movies and like web series. Mm -hmm. And then when they got back with like those shows until maybe like a year or two ago, um, they were very low budget. There was a lot of reused suits. There was a lot of like, we can run for 13 episodes. We have the budget for like two suits and that's it. And like only now did they get like to be like, oh, we're 26 episodes and you could have more suits and more funding and new monsters, that kind of stuff. So like they're like more salient now or like more healthy now. But <laughs> yeah, so that's like the history, I guess, of like where Ultraman's at. But um, that's kind of why like I, picked these two pieces like from this boom period because i want to know um you were saying like you like like tiga like a a like fair bit right yeah i i feel like um and obviously nobody asked me to this is 100 my opinion but if i had to choose between the two i definitely enjoyed tiga a bit more um once again i i kind of like those older graphical styles and like putting forth the effort to to make things look interesting and to make things happen. Um, and, and that's not a slam on Cosmos by any means, because that also was a very, very good series. I could definitely see myself engaging with that a lot more. But, uh, you know, if I had to choose between the two, I would put my money on Tiga. Um, and a lot of that was just because, once again, it kind of took me back to that nostalgic Godzilla versus King Kong vibe that I just genuinely enjoy and I genuinely enjoy it when it's put into a space where it's um I don't want to say like oversimplified but it's it's it just what it is it's like not trying to be anything else. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. if that's the best way to put it but like it feels like it's modernizing like the way that like every Ultraman series has like a science squad that has some cool technology and like making it try to look good and like look interesting but also like it's not trying to be serious you know it's like yeah and because there were there were a couple aspects where i almost felt like cosmos felt like it was making fun of itself which is fine like in in some genres some aspects i really appreciate that but because i had already set that expectation with tiga about what type of of show it was like it was very jarring to come into cosmos and have it feel like it was something that i don't know nobody was really that serious about and like it is ridiculous in a interesting way stuff like let's name ultraman mountain gulliver the way that like 
the second episode's about like union miners like being like, I'm not going to that mime. Yeah, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, that and and that was another thing. Like, okay, if you're gonna like take these real life issues, that's fine. Like, I will never begrudge any type of art form for that. But if you're going to like try to be a little bit more true to your source, also some '90s optimism up the wazoo because there's stuff like Halter Mantica opens with like by the end of the 20th century, humans figured it out. History was over. We love mm-hmm. the planet. No pollution. Huge, huge, ar- huge no army. Great time. They had some big Captain Planet vibes. There's this line that I wrote down from the like um the third episode when he's talking to his captain, who um has pretty good captain hair. Not the best hair. There is some better hair later on. But mm-hmm. um, this dude says, um, Daigo, sometimes I think that just as the beauty of nature is being sacrificed to development... The kindness, sympathy, and warmth that defines mankind is slowly being stripped away. Just like, come the fuck on. (laughs) Do you remember this is a fucking children's show? Take a chill pill, dude. I'm just saying. (laughs) That's like the most 90s line I've ever heard. No, I got you. And you're right. Like, I did. Interesting, like, small notes here, too. Like, Tiga's the first first ultra that can change forms. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first that's set in its own universe. So, like, there's lots of, like, nostalgia for this time. because It was also kind of, like, starting its own trends that, like, keep on now. Or, like, now they're very into, like, having different forms, different, like, trinkets, that kind of stuff. And, like, it was, like, a start here, you know? Right. Yeah. It, they, um, it kind of feels like they're modeling themselves after an old D&D campaign. <laughs> what do you mean there? Uh, like, uh... Well, just the fact that, okay, now they can change forms. So, obviously, they've gone to 5e, so they figured out that some people can be, like, shapeshifters. And if they grab a trinket, you know, maybe they got it out of a lost mind. You never know. Don't judge. I can feel that off you. Oh, just that uh, intensity. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, no, um, I actually really like Cosmos, actually. In relation to Tiga, um, Cosmos was like weird because it was like referencing a movie that we didn't watch that was like a prequel that came out like around the time the show started. But Mm -hmm. um, like that's where like Musashi like gets his orb basically. But um, this was like a show about like nonviolence and peace and like rethinking. And like you see in earlier Ultraman shows the idea that these kaiju are just like um are animals and like it's cool because like one thing that they do to like save money that i think actually becomes really interesting is like they reuse suits they have members of the same family they have like relationships and stuff like oh this like kaiju was in this ultraman show four years later in this ultraman show this is like the same one kind of like a free willy situation where it's like oh like i'll help you out now ultraman And, like, I really do love the way, like, um, in recent years, like, a lot of their villains are, like, corrupting or, like, resurrecting or, like, doing weird stuff with, like, malicious kaiju or robots Mm -hmm. or, like, corrupting good ones. That's, like, and then you have, like, the old school kaiju that are just, like, usually dealt with, with, like, a bit more nonviolently, like here. Gotcha. That is a very interesting concept. I feel like um, 
Yeah, if I if I watched a little bit more of that, if I dug a little bit more into it, I'd probably have a much deeper appreciation than I do now. Um, I mean, obviously, I I did the uh, training wheels of both of these series, so there's probably a lot I'm missing. Um, and you know, once again, I didn't dislike Cosmos. I I was just saying, like up against Tia, I, I prefer Tia, and that's 100% personal opinion. You know, just me once again being the nostalgic core person I am. So, and like, um, like one interesting distinction there too is that like basically every Ultraman now is like, oh, you have your standard form, you have your power form, you have like your speed form, like Antigua. But mm-hmm. w- what Cosmos does is that it's like, here's your standard form, it's your non violent, purifying, like calming form, and then you have a power form, like for combat. That is a really interesting way to codify that trope and be like, this is about like sometimes you need to use power and like fight and like and like destroy evil versus like that. And like I really do like the way you have just um the kaiju being corrupted and like it's about helping them. And like I'm pretty right. sure that throughout the show, um that Ladorius, that kaiju that he knows, like keeps on appearing. Which is interesting. That is that does sound very interesting. I'm gonna have to def- definitely do a bit more of a deep dive with a lot of this. I feel like I will give something to Tiga. The um, the effects, the jets, the uniforms, and the hair are all significantly better than in like Cosmos. The dude with the hair, the captain that like <laughs> looks like he's like trying to put out like oh, a record. Oh God, yeah, in- yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact, that's one of my notes. That dude's hair—it's fucking epic. I, I'm gonna have to um, ask my barber for that once I have my second shot for the COVID vaccine. I feel like that's that's my goals. Yeah. Um, the character we're talking about is Captain Huara, uh, who just has like a—I'm not even sure how to describe it, but it's just like this massive, like front poof hair it's just everything i feel like it's just it's everything yeah and um their uniforms also give the suggestion of like a fanny pack too which is great oh yeah always 100 percent. and yeah um and there is just like a penis kaiju uh, uh called spitter that shows up too <laughs> horror like spittle not spitter that's a little better i mean it not much Spittle. <laughs> like, it's a kaiju that has, like, a, like, built-in foreskin, like, like oh. combat mode. Yeah, that changes everything. Yeah, but... And it, like, shoots acid at planes. Mm-hmm. Which, like... Same. That's what, like, that's what penises do. They just, like, love taking down planes. Like... Yeah, especially I, um, if they can spit at them. I could not get, like, approved for, like, a green laser for my penis, so I, like, was just, like too bad about like planes but i feel like you need to um just work harder and you'll be able to just fill out the paperwork again you'll be fine no i'm on a list now for like taking out like um too many planes you know oh gotcha but, yeah understandable <laughs> happens to no, the best uh, of us that makes me think of like um bad porn video games that you would find where it was like oh look it's a it's a guy with a dick and it's like weird like atari graphics i don't know 
I'm going to use this as an opportunity, actually, because I need to. I feel like I need to share something with our audience that I uh, minimally shared with you. So when um, Kip and I did our infamous Valentine's Day hentai episode, I don't feel like I did a whole lot of interneting around that episode. Apparently, I did just enough that uh, Steam caught on to it because apparently they're logged into my uh, normal internet browser. And so for about two weeks after that, every video game suggestion I got was something very sexy that I don't play ever. So in case anybody's wondering, yeah, Steam's watching just like Big Brother Google is. Just be careful with your search history. That's all I'm saying. I mean, to be fair, it's probably a good idea never to use Steam as a, a tool for discovery and just to know where you want to play because yeah, it's rotten. Also, on top of that rant, let me just say I regret nothing. That was still one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. But I was a little disappointed I couldn't get any better suggestions than just um, fuck the freshman for a good three weeks after that. That's Ultraman, I guess. Um, Sometimes there are questionable kaiju. Um, the 60s, like original 1966, like Ultraman, um, does have a kaiju that's like just like, um, know that like acid dinosaur from um, Jurassic Park, like the like Dilophosaurus, I think, like the one that, like has like the like crown that like spits acid. Yes, yes, definitely. They just take the Godzilla suit and put that crown on it and then like 10 seconds into the fight Ultraman rips the crown off and is like just fighting Godzilla <laughs> like that suit that was in the movies currently I, I would watch that like three times back to back yeah yeah just a uh, really interesting like franchise I think um one thing to note there is that um we're going to continue in a way next time due to timey-wimey shenanigans we're gonna have a bonus episode with me and steph and then we're gonna have a normal episode so um roughly a week from now there's going to be a bonus episode where me and steph look at i am going to have this full name actually because i want to sound cool as shit denko chochin gridman which is gridman the hyper agent nice. which is a 1990s um 1993 1994 giant hero series also made by Subaraya. It is basically um, set in the world of computers. Now, we are going to be looking at um, episode one and two of that show, along with episode one and two of the 1996 Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, which is the first show to come out to try and capitalize on the success of Power Rangers using grid band footage. Now, this has Matthew Lawrence in it, who you might know from Boy Meets World, I think, um, uh, as Matthew the main Lawrence. character. Wasn't he the one that... Oh, no, that was Joey Lawrence. Just joking. Okay. Nope, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so we're going to look at um, these two shows, the first two episodes, um, to set up the fact that... So two weeks from now, full on, we are going to be looking at uh, the first season of SSSSS... Five S's, I think. Good uh, God. Gridman. That's too much. <laughs> Yeah, SSS, I don't know what an S is, but uh, there are plural S's, which is why there's so many S's. But it is a 2018 anime based off of Gridman 
that was very successful, um, very popular. And this month actually has a sequel series coming out. So that is our short term plan. Next week, me and James Baker are going to be talking about Comrade Saber episodes 31 and 32. And also at some point there will be the uh, Gridman slash Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad bonus episode. Then two weeks from now, we are going to be looking at SSSS Gridman 4S's that 2018 anime now that is um 12 episodes it is really fun it is really beloved um it's interesting (laughs) and then um from there we are going to look at i think the first half two weeks from then of the sss dynazone the sequel series good god so many s's yes it's a whole lot but we need um, an app that is our next month of me and Steph is there will be three episodes. Gridman slash Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Two weeks from now, there will be the Gridman SSSS. And then two <laughs> weeks from then, the first half of Gridman Dinozone. Perfect. No. Uh, so, Steph, um, where can people find you when you're not talking about Toku? Oh, good God. Um. I'm not even going to plug my other podcast anymore because we, at this point, have had so many audio issues. It has quite literally buried us into the dirt. Um, I am just going to say, find me under, um, just joking, at hat underscore sis on Twitter and nobody much on Instagram. Um, Yeah, but aside from that, I spend the rest of my time talking to Kip. Yeah. And with that... If you want to talk to me, you can go to Twitter.com at James Forge. But also, if you want to talk to the vagaries of the podcast, uh, which is us over at Come Ride With Me, also on Instagram, um, and you can go to ComeRideWithMe.com. There is ComeRideWithMe.com slash episodes and ComeRideWithMe.com slash merch. That takes you to our Redbubble store. Um, that has stuff uh, currently, like, all sales go towards the Trevor Project. It was a lot of fun. Um, raised a little bit of money over the past couple of months for people who really need it. Um, but like that all doesn't go to anybody here. That's like straight charity. Um, and also, if you do, um, we are putting out more more essays and articles on the website as well. And um, like we're ramping up to kind of um have that become a more regular thing now that parts of our lives aren't on literal or figurative fire. (laughs) Yeah. So Steph, what we learned today? We learned, um, God, so many things. Uh, let me try and choose one lesson from this. We learned if you can't beat them, get bigger than them and then beat them. True. Also, Probably should have mentioned this. People love that Ultraman ass. They love that Ultraman feet. They want to get stepped on. They want to see that weird silver...